Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. While Talk Travel Asia has been sharing and dreaming of travel since 2013, there are still lots of countries in the region that we have yet to dedicate an entire episode to. As we begin 2022, we note a handful we're curious about and hope to feature in the year ahead. Get ready to expand your travel bucket list as we share some fun, interesting, and quirky facts about 13 countries we'd like to cover as show topics in 2022. I'm Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and with me as always is my co-host scott coates in bangkok thailand how you doing scott howdy trevor and happy new year this is the first of january and the first episode of a brand new year and i'm excited that we're talking about countries we would like to explore over the interweb in the coming year yeah you know it's interesting because it's been almost eight years, I guess. Uh, LinkedIn told me it was almost eight years when I looked one time. And, uh, you know, at times we don't know what kind of show topics we can do. And sometimes it's guest driven. We meet interesting people or we know people that happen to have expertise or insight about a particular part of Asia. But it's a big continent, you know, and there's a lot of different countries. And when we started the show up again after a little hiatus uh, last year, uh, we made a focus last year to try and do interesting different parts of Asia, like Central Asia, Tajikistan. We've done some countries that we wouldn't necessarily have covered because you and I didn't know so much about them before. So I think for 2022, it's it's great to continue that tradition and, and talk about some other places that I've been really interested in or I don't know anything about. Yeah, it is fun because somehow I just sort of had it in my head that We've done it all. And every time we realize we need to come up with an idea for a new episode, I always have this momentary fear that there's no topics left. And we always come up with one and then started to look at Google Maps and realized, oh, not only are there a few countries, there are a lot of countries, probably enough to keep us busy for a couple of years. So, yeah, you and I just sort of randomly started mentioning countries that we have an interest in. And we came up with a list of I can't believe it's 13. That feels a little unlucky, but we'll roll with it. And we are just going to share, you know, kind of a few fun facts, some of the demographics, maybe a site or something that intrigues us and maybe that burning question. And we'll just roll through those 13. And I'm curious to see how many of them we actually end up covering in 2022. Yeah. It, it was an interesting list. I think we just sort of were looking at Google Maps, like you mentioned, and we just started listing countries out. And then we, we decided to, okay, we pick the six that you want to do. And we each started highlighting them really quickly. So, you know, I was picking ones that I was interested in and I was picking others that like, I again, I didn't know anything about. So as we go through these, you know, some of these things uh, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I've always wanted to go to this place and others I'm going to just be maybe reciting some facts from Wikipedia, but uh, hopefully someone out there listening know someone who could tell us more about that destination and we can get them on the show. Yeah, that's a good point. If you know an expert about one of these countries, you think they'd make a great guest, please do tell us. So Trevor, if people enjoy Talk Travel Asia, 
They're feeling a New Year cheer for supporting Travel Talk. How could they do so? Yeah, well, you can go to patreon.com, which is a website where you can donate to the show. Otherwise, you can go to our website, talktravelasia.com. And on our homepage there, there's a link to donate to give some financial support to Scott and I, who produce this show ourselves, just the two of us, and have been funding it for eight years um, out of a love of travel. So we really appreciate our patrons for the content that we otherwise would have been giving out for free, I guess, just for the love of it. But now we also do supplemental episodes, little videos. I shot a video of all the graffiti on the street where I live here in Phnom Penh, and we shared that with some of uh, with our patrons, all of our patrons, yeah. And sometimes when you're traveling, you're on a trip you'll shoot a video or send a message out to our patrons um so if you donate to the show we'll share the love absolutely so i think we'll just go back and forth i'll do one you do one and in no particular order and you mentioned already we did hit wikipedia pretty hard on some of these and we'll have links on the show notes to you know pages about all these places so the first place i'm thinking is bangladesh I didn't know it was home to the world's largest river delta, which is formed by the Brahmaputra and the Ganges River. They have roaming Bengal tigers, and they also have the longest natural uninterrupted sea beach in Asia. That's Cox's Bazaar Beach, which is 150 kilometers wow. long. Can you believe it's that long? No, I mean, I knew about like the delta and kind of it, that it was coastal, but uh, I guess it would make sense. They got a big beach. Right. Yeah, massive. But they also have a massive population, 163 million people, 148,000 square kilometers, making it one of the most densely populated countries in the world. Shares land borders with India to the west, north and east, Myanmar to the southeast, and the Bay of Bengal to the south. And man, Bengalis make up 98% of the total population. And there's a really large Muslim population, making it the third largest Muslim majority country with 90% of the population practicing Islam. The capital Dhaka has an official population of 8.9 million residents, but 21 million in the greater Dhaka area. And look, why I'm intrigued, I see the Delta areas. I want to try the food and I want to fill in the blanks about a country I so know so little about and that I think it used to be part of East Pakistan up until I, I read on Wikipedia March 26, 1971. So, I mean, wow, it used to be part of other countries. It's relatively recently broken out on its own. But I hate to say it, the only time I ever hear about Bangladesh is refugees from Myanmar or flooding or ferry disasters. So, yeah, I'd really like to just go and see what is this country really all about. I'm, I'm a bit fascinated. Yeah, again, I, I'm curious as to what the travel destination might be. Like, is this beach... It, it, spectacularly beautiful like australia or something like that or is it delta where it's like all mangroves and 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 such so i i can't really picture it i'm actually bringing up google maps now and i'm going to make a google map as we do the episode and that'll be on our show notes so people can have a look at some of the areas that we're talking about as well cool so trevor uh, what is a country you picked that we might want to cover this year I chose Bhutan, and Bhutan is in the Himalaya. I've met a couple of Bhutanese people over the years, and I think most people have a pretty exotic idea of, of what Bhutan is, you know? Um, I think that uh, it used to require travelers to put, not, not a deposit or something like that, but there used to be like a minimum amount of money you had to spend when you visited there. Like there was a certain amount of time you had, they, they were very sort of restrictive 
towards travel, but only because I think they were trying to preserve the culture. We, on a recent episode, we talked about the, like how much of an impact uh, tourism has on, on a community when it goes to, to visit there. And, and Bhutan seems to have done a great job of preserving itself up there in the Himalaya. So some of the facts that I found online was that it was the first country in the world with specific constitutional obligations on its people to protect the environment. So they really take that uh, protecting their land seriously. So 60% of the nation must remain under forest cover at all times. So it must be a beautiful place to visit. Otherwise, Bhutan <laughs> translates to the land of the thunder dragon. It earned this nickname cool. because of the fierce storms that often roll in from the Himalaya. Demographically, there's uh, only 750,000 people, um, but the area is just under 40,000 square kilometers, making it the 133rd largest country in the world, which uh, puts it down there as one of the smallest, actually, if you rephrase that, I guess. Uh, it borders India and China. Um, it's predominantly Buddhist, uh, 75% with uh, Buddhism as the official religion, um, although there's nearly 23% uh, Hindu population. It unified as the land of the Thunder Dragon in, in 1616. So that's more than 400 years ago, which is incredible. Um, and the economy right. is largely agrarian. 55% of the population uh, participates in agriculture. Uh, forestry, tourism, and the sale of hydroelectric power are their other forms of income. It's probably beautiful. Again, like it, it's up in the mountains. It's got lots of forests. Uh, it probably seems a lot like uh, British Columbia, Canada, which you probably have a, a lot of experience in. Is that what you think? It looks like Canada? I kind of picture, yeah, a lot of pines, a lot of spruces, very heavily forested. So I kind of have this picture of being in the woods, hiking, mountain biking, and feeling like I could be in BC. Of course, just behind those, there's some Himalaya, which are a lot higher, but yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, like as a tourist now, whether or not they have such restrictions, but it seems like it would be an incredibly beautiful place to visit. And I'm sure there's no shortage of things to do and see. One of the things that's interesting is that they have a gross happiness index, like they're the happiest country in the world or something, or they famously focus their national agenda on their people having happiness, right? And that includes celebrating a gross national happiness day, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I wonder how that experience is like as a visitor. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, very. I'm intrigued. Well, look, the next one uh, on my list is India. I mean, we all know of India. I've been to Mumbai twice, but that's it. And fun facts, cows are sacred. Uh, it has a place that is the wettest inhabited place on earth. There are 300,000 mosques and over 2 million Hindu temples. And Rajasthan has a temple of rats. Wow. Hmm. Eh? It's the seventh largest country by area, second most populous country, and the most populous democracy in the world with about 1.4 billion people. Shares borders with Pakistan to the west, China, Nepal, and Bhutan to the north, and Bangladesh and Myanmar to the east. Uh, official languages are Hindi and English, but they also have tropical beaches and islands far afield, like the Andaman Islands. I'm pretty interested because, I mean, you can trek in Himalayas and go to somewhere like Leh or Sikkim, and then you can go to Kerala in the south and see people living on tropical canals. Goa for the famous hippie beach life. And if tons of cash hit those Andaman Islands, kind of between India and Thailand. And I'm wondering, the burning question is, where do you have to go to get away from the crowds of 1.4 billion people? Huh? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I hope we can have a guest on to tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so the next country I picked was one that I picked because I, I've always really wanted to go there, and that's Jordan. And uh, Jordan has some really interesting archaeological sites. It's got amazing history. It has very unique uh, geography. And uh, as a kid, when I wanted to visit places that had fascinating ancient history, Jordan was always kind of up there on my bucket list. So some fun facts were that uh, the Dead Sea is located in Jordan. Some call it a lake, but it is the lowest point of elevation on Earth, which I did not know. Uh, it's 480 meters below wow. sea level. The surface is almost 500 meters below sea level. Uh, mentioned earlier, the archaeological sites, there's over 100,000 archaeological sites in Jordan, including the place where Jesus was baptized. So there's a number of religious sites, um, but there's also uh, destinations like Petra, which are these incredible archaeological ancient like cities that were carved out of the rock and they're spectacular. Demographically, uh, the country is slightly smaller than the state of Pennsylvania. It has 26 miles of coastline. I did not know. I thought it was landlocked. So the coastline is pretty cool. Pennsylvania does not. Um, the population <laughs> is around 11 million. They also have a number of refugees uh, from neighboring countries, um, both Christian and Muslim, Palestinian from all across the region. So Jordan has always had sort of a reputation as a let's say a neutral party within the region. Um, and I don't know whether that's influenced by the fact that the, the current king's mother, um, it was an American or is an American. It, it's played an interesting role politically in, in the region. Uh, it was founded in the year 7,250 BC. So when I mentioned Nepal or, or wow. Bhutan going back to the 1600s, yeah, Jordan's been around since 7,000 BC. That's Amman, which is the capital city. It's one of the oldest cities in the world Incredible. that has been continuously inhabited. So I imagine just like the markets in Amman must be amazing, right? You would think so. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah. Well, again, like this tradition is because it's situated at the crossroads of Asia, Africa, and Europe. And uh, this is inside the Fertile Crescent, which is the cradle of civilization. You know, this is where some of the earliest civilizations existed. So I imagined it's it's just got like spectacular history and fascinating culture. And I, I have no idea what Jordanian food is like. Living in Bangkok, you know, we have, I've eaten Iraqi food and Iranian food and Maltese food and all, you know, like every sort of food you can imagine. But I, I have not had Jordanian food, but uh, I'd be curious to try it when I get there couple of the me too couple, yeah we should go a couple of the attractions again i mentioned petra earlier that is one of the seven wonders of the world it was first settled more than ten thousand mm. years ago um it was established as the capital of the formerly nomadic nabataian arabs <laughs> i definitely didn't say that right in the fourth century bc um no. so again like i think that was in one of the indiana jones temple of the lost crusaders i don't know you know People have seen it. It's yeah, spectacular. Part three it was. But again, like I imagine like that would be a place to go like immediately after COVID, like right now, right? Before like lots of tourists get there. But from my understanding is that there's other things like Petra that are just as spectacular, perhaps, that are less visited and uh, I think we should go sometime. Yeah, I'm highly intrigued by mm. Jordan. I also think it's a very moderate country for that region. Like, I don't think you have any kind of militant Islam going on. It's very friendly to tourists. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to learn more about that. I just realized that my three first ones are all in the same area. I've said Bangladesh, India, and now I'm saying Pakistan. I've been quite intrigued. And here's a few fun facts to get you excited. It's home to the second highest mountain in the world, K2. It's one of two Muslim countries that allow women to work in combat jobs. There's a random fact for you. And it also has the world's highest ATM. That's mm -hmm. wild, huh? 
<laughs> That's pretty random. Yeah. And the Kara Koram Highway is the world's highest paved international road, according to Travel and Leisure. And this 800-mile highway connects Pakistan to Western China and reaches a maximum height of uh, about almost 5,000 meters. So demographics, it's officially the Islamic Republic of Pakistan with 200 and 25 million people. It's the world's second largest Muslim population. Uh, it has a huge thousand kilometer plus coastline along the Arabian Sea, the Gulf of Oman in the south. It's bordered by India to the east, Afghanistan to the west, Iran to the southwest, and China to the northeast. It's the site of several ancient cultures, including the 8,500 year old Neolithic site of Merga, sorry, I'm probably saying that wrong, and the Indus Valley Civilization of the Bronze Age, and uh, the most extensive of the civilizations of the Old World. Of course, they have nuclear weapons too. Official languages are Udu and English. They got independence in 1947, but didn't have their first democratic elections till 1970. And Karachi is the most populated city with 16 million and one of the fastest growing in the world. And I'm really intrigued because of the Karakoram Highway. Uh, I really yeah. like high, high highways. I'd love to ride a motorbike or a bike. I also think it'd be cool to see the old British architecture, the legacy they left, Pakistani food, uh, and, and to know, is it, dangerous as a foreigner can i go there i know the tribal areas are dodgy but could you go certain places a white westerner and and leave with your head attached i believe so from my understanding again we had uh, john and kathleen on who had traveled to iran uh, most muslim countries like it's part of the religion that you must be welcoming to to visitors um so i think in general and lots of uh, places like pakistan mm -hmm. you'd probably be very safe and very welcome I hope. I see you were thinking of surfing on the country that you want to cover next. Yeah, it's funny. I want, sometimes I wonder if we're going alphabetically. Yeah, Philippines was next. You know, I've been to Manila for one night, couch surfing. And uh, not surfing, surfing. Mm -hmm. I, I went couch surfing. The only time I've ever couch surfed was in the Philippines. And again, speaking of wonderful, cool. warm, and welcoming people, uh, our hosts uh, couch surfing were great. They were so nice and warm and friendly and took us out and took us to their favorite restaurant in the morning before our flight. And uh, I have Filipino friends here in Cambodia and I have had in Thailand and they are great people. I have not had the opportunity to surf there though, you know, and I have had friends that have gone there and there's all these islands and there's scuba diving and there's probably cliff jumping and little, like little swim through tubes. I imagine it's spectacularly beautiful. I think there's uh, more than 7,000 islands uh, making it the second largest arch archipelago wow. in the world. 2,000 of those islands are inhabited and 5,000 are, are not even named yet on, on maps, you know? So it's gotta be spectacular, you know? I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, there's 110 million people, which is quite a lot. That's why there's 2000 inhabited mm -hmm. islands and it's the number two producer and exporter of coconuts in the world. So there's lots of people and lots of coconuts hmm. and lots of islands. And in Manila, which is the only place I have been, uh, three of the world's largest shopping malls. I don't know if I saw one of those, but wow. I, I saw, I was in this complex with like multiple malls on different sides and we went to like nightclubs and stuff and, and, and it was pretty cool. But why I'd like to go again is uh, for the, for the water, right? So Boracay is one of the famous islands there, Palawan, um, Siargao, which has a surf spot called Cloud Nine. But again, these are popular spots. So I'd love to maybe get on a boat and explore and, and, and do like a liveboard and that might be a better way to do it. Other than the islands, 
I did some research and, and what other things were there to see in, in the Philippines. And there's these rice terraces that uh, are often called the eighth wonder of the world. And these are like terraced wow. rice fields that were sculpted 2000 years ago in, in, on the island of Luzon. And then of course, like with all of these different islands and all of these different like uh, cultures, perhaps amongst the islands, they must have amazing festivals. Another attraction is called the Chocolate Hills. And I don't know, I can't imagine they're made of chocolate, but maybe they grow chocolate there. And maybe they look brown because they do grow chocolate, which looks chocolatey. I have no idea. But, you know, it got my mind wondering about like, you know, hiking because there's volcanoes. So the trekking must be spectacular. There's probably lakes inside the volcanoes in some places. Um, and then, of course, the beaches. So I'd love to go to Philippines sometime soon. It's in between Asia and Hawaii. So I, I should have the opportunity to. And uh, I'd love to have a guest on sometime to, to tell us about some maybe off the beaten path places to check out. Yeah, that sounds cool. I can't believe I've never been to the Philippines. Part of it is that it's so big. I don't want to just go to one island. But yeah, that's uh, really intriguing. Look, I'm going to Central Asia. We had a couple episodes in 2021 on Central Asia. I'm kind of fascinated by the hermit kingdom of Turkmenistan, which is 70% desert. It's one of the least visited countries in the world. Dogs hmm. are banned from the capital city, Ashgabat, uh, as they have an apparently an unappealing odor. They have huge gas reserves, but the people remain mostly poor. And some interesting demographics. They're landlocked country, bordered by Kazakhstan to the northwest, Caspian Sea to the west. Holy. They have about 6 million people, one of the most sparsely populated Asian nations. And uh, Merv is one of the oldest oasis cities in Central Asia and was once one of the biggest cities in the world along that Silk Road. It only got independence from the Soviet Union in 1991. Turkmen is the official language, but Russian is widely wow. used, and they have a pretty poor human rights record. There's really no open communications. And I guess I'm super intrigued just about the ancient Silk Road, those trading hub places, deserts, Ashgabat, just the name sounds amazing. So I'd be curious if you actually turn up. I know you have to have a guide and organized tour, but I, I'd just be curious to see what can you actually see and experience in Turkmenistan as a tourist. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, and again, I didn't know some of these things that you were saying. I had no idea that it was desert. You know, we recently or last year we had someone on talking about uh, Kyrgyzstan. And Kyrgyzstan is all forested, right? And it's a it's beautiful, like natural alpine kind of country. And it doesn't border Turkmenistan, but they're in Central Asia. And, and to, it's so very, very, very different, of course, you know, so that's really interesting. And maybe a little secret uh, for our guests, if you don't mind me leaking this, I believe we may have a guest on lined up already to speak about Turkmenistan this year. Trevor, I noticed you're going back to islands for your next one. <laughs> it's kind of funny how that worked out. Like you're, yeah. you're kind of sticking to regions that you maybe are interested in hearing. And I'm just like the beach, you know, my next country is Papua New Guinea. And uh, one interesting thing about that is that in the past few weeks, since we came up with the show idea, I've met a couple who just moved here to Cambodia from Papua New Guinea. And I met another person from Papua New Guinea and it, it, it's just really interesting. Now, what I also did discover though, is that it's technically part of Oceania. It's not technically part of Asia, even though it's near Indonesia, 
but it's also very, very close to Australia. I, again, I don't remember how close, but when I had conversations with these people, I think it's only like maybe like 20 or 50 kilometers Not between far. Australia and, and the island of Papua New Guinea, which is separated by an independent country. But we'll get to that in a second. Papua New Guinea, the, the independent country, encompasses the eastern half of, of the island of New Guinea and its offshore islands. It's a country of immense cultural and biological diversity. Something that I've known about it is just that like, you know, occasionally I have an interest in like anthropology and some of the most fascinating insights on like hunter gatherer tribes and, and remote peoples has uh, been conducted in New Guinea because it still has a very yeah. traditional, very natural society or many different societies on it. In fact, you know, in fact, they have 851 wow. different languages. Can you believe that? No. <laughs> and again, like you, you hear how many, you hear how many like islands, like the Philippines is made up of, but having 851 different languages is, is like one of the most amazing facts. I think. Absolutely. That's bonkers. It's not a massive place. Yeah. And then like how many, how many countries in the world are there? Like 200 or something? Something like they, 210 or something. Papua New Guinea contains 5% of the entire earth's global biodiversity. Oof. And one of those things is the, one of the world's very few poisonous birds. <laughs> I have a poisonous I bird. Know there was poisonous called birds. the hoodie pitohui bird. <laughs> the hooded pitohui, um, which I imagine, like again, I don't know. I'm, I'm ignorant, but maybe you, you hunt them with a blow dart, perhaps you know. But it, it sounds like something that you'd see in like a a, a Pixar movie or something yeah. like that, right? I mean, it, it's just spectacular forest and jungle. I imagine because it's thirteen percent of its people live in urban centers, hmm. like. Almost 90% of the people live in, in some sort of countryside, you know? There's more than 8,000, sorry, 8 million people living in customary communities, which are hmm. basically, you know, living traditional lifestyles that they have for perhaps tens of thousands of years, you know? And some of that includes large groups of uncontacted peoples. Like there's still communities in Papua New Guinea that have never had contact with the outside world. I don't know that I'd be doing that on my vacation, going to try and contact some tribe for the first time. And I don't know whether we should be doing that necessarily, but a place that has such eco-diversity and cultural diversity and, and, and is so still in tune, living harmoniously with the land and, and the environment, like must be just a fascinating and, and wonderful place to visit. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I can't believe the number of languages. I just keep seeming to go back to the same regions. What's funny is when we did this list, I didn't wasn't really thinking regionally, but I'm back in Central Asia <laughs> with Uzbekistan. Here's a super fun fact. Did you know that Uzbekistan is a doubly landlocked nation, meaning that you have to cross another country to even get to the sea, and there's only one other country on huh. Earth that's double landlocked? I'm going to give you a guess. What is the other double landlocked country in the world? You know, I, I'm in a pub quiz at the Botanico here in Phnom Penh, and this question came up not that long really? ago, but I, I can't remember. Liechtenstein in Europe. So there's only two countries. So Is to reach the coast, you have, you have to go over two countries. And the countries bordering Uzbekistan, there's a lot of them. Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan. And these countries are also landlocked. It has the largest shrinking lake in the world, the Aral Sea, which was formerly the world's fourth largest lake. Uh, however, from the 60s, the lake has been gradually shrinking. 
Demographically, Uzbekistan is part of the Turkic language world, as well as a member of the Turkic Council. Uh, its official language uh, is Uzbek, but Russian is still widely used. Tashkent, the capital, has two and a half million, and they have 35 million people overall there with about 15 ethnic groups, and 92% of it is Muslim. They also, like uh, Turkmenistan, got independence in 91, but official history really dates back to 1370. I'm quite intrigued because they have 4,600 meter high mountains, huge deserts, a ton of Silk Road towns like Bukhara, Samarkand, Kiva, and I'd love to just see that Silk Road history again. I'm really intrigued by the Silk Road and Central Asia and the fact that nowadays they sort of seem like sleepier backwaters, but there was a long period of time where those were the busiest spots on the planet. So yeah, Central Asia is on my list. And wouldn't you know it, Trevor, you picked another island nation. For that, I, I think it's interesting. Again, I think you mentioned it was Merv, the capital, or, or a, an ancient capital in uh, Turkmenistan mm-hmm. that was once the world's largest city, right? And it's an oasis, you know? And and so that's interesting. Now you mentioned Uzbekistan, which is right. half desert and half forest because right? it's closer to Kyrgyzstan, which you mentioned, you know? So I, I hopefully if you get to go to that region, you can visit all the countries in, in one go, if, if that's possible, even though they're massive countries, you know, like it might, might be possible to connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I really hope to get there. Yeah. Again, funny that you're Central Asia. I'm another island. <laughs> I think we just made a list and I don't know. I, I think I put this one on the list because it's just South of the Philippines. And the country is Palau, which is actually a part of uh, the Micronesian region of the Western Pacific Ocean. Again, technically making it part of Oceania, which is the continent that includes Australia and New Zealand. But uh, I was confused, I guess, because it is so close to the Philippines. And uh, I first learned about Palau because Continental Airlines used to have Continental Micronesia which was uh, a, a subsection of the airline that flew from Honolulu to Bali uh, via Guam and used Guam as like a terminus for to going to all these different islands across the Pacific, one of which was Palau. So I used to always use my frequent flyer miles on those uh, continental flights. And, and I was like, I'm going to go to Palau, man. I looked it up on, on the map and I, I was like, they got to have surf there. And it turned out to be like one of the most fascinating countries I, I'd ever heard of. It's a, most people probably had you heard of Palau before? Yeah, I really know very little about it. So it was originally settled around 3,000 years ago by migrants from maritime Southeast Asia, which is quite interesting. Um, Spain was the first European nation to invade the islands in the 16th century. And then following Spain's defeat in the Spanish-American War, the islands were sold to Germany in 1899. Um, Palau was made part of the United States governed trust territory of the Pacific Islands in 1957. And then having voted in a referendum against joining the Federated States of Micronesia in 1978, the islands gained full sovereignty in 1994. So that's quite an interesting history, don't you think? Yeah, it's a really interesting history. And I'm learning so much just on this episode before we even really get formally into any of these countries. I feel like I've learned a ton and I didn't know any of that about Palau. I know. And I feel like this is going to be a tricky one to get a guest on. So maybe this is all the people are going to get to learn about it unless they get interested to learn more. But some fun facts is that the currency is the United States dollar. I remember looking on on maps that it's got a lot of nice golf courses. Apparently, it's very popular for golf and for scuba Hmm. diving. Um, And in fact, in 2009, Palau created the world's first shark sanctuary. 
um, banning all commercial shark fishing within a 600,000 square kilometer section of ocean. That's 230,000 square miles of ocean, uh, similar size to France. So although it's uh, quite a small country, they apparently have quite a bit of water area around them to protect sharks and thus uh, being famous for, for scuba diving. Otherwise, you want to spend a lot of time underwater, apparently, because it rains 225 days a year, which doesn't necessarily make it the best beach resort. Unless, of course, it's tropical rain where it just downpours for an hour or two every afternoon, which I kind of think it might be. Population-wise, there's only 18,000 people uh, living in Palau, 73% of whom are native Palauians of mixed Melanesian and Austronesian descent. And again, you'll remember I mentioned earlier that they were migrants from Southeast Asia that settled on these islands thousands of years ago. Otherwise, in modern days, it has uh, a very diverse uh community. Filipinos form the largest Asian group. They date back to the Spanish colonial period. Um, there's a significant number of Chinese and Koreans, um, whom I'm going to ignorantly say, which is why there's a lot of golf courses there. I think the Chinese and Koreans do mm -hmm. enjoy playing golf on the island. Um, and there's a smaller number of Palau Palauans um, that are of mixed Japanese ancestry. Hmm. Otherwise, there's Bangladeshi and Nepalese migrant workers um, and their descendants who have been there for over 100 years. So it's an archipelago of 500 islands, the most populous of which are Angaur, Babeldao, <laughs> Koror, and Peleliu. Um, and the latter three islands lie together within the same barrier reef. So, you know, it's a country that I knew was great for scuba diving and so i just assumed would be good for surf too and i did a little bit of research and it turns out that there there is some good surf there but like very few people go there to surf because uh, it isn't necessarily a big tourist destination except for the golf and the diving which i mentioned earlier and uh i don't know it's it seems interesting oh the one other place i discovered looking up was jellyfish lake it's famous for uh, this jellyfish lake which is filled with like millions of jellyfish that you can go scuba dive or snorkel in, which is, which is crazy. They don't really sting you. It, it looks amazing. Wow. That's uh, a lot to digest and a lot of reasons to go to Palau. So we have um, yeah. a few more here and we haven't dug into them quite as deeply as some of these past ones, but we're just going to kind of mention them and then save the real nuggets for the actual episode. Right? So, I've been to Sri Lanka, but we've never actually done a formal episode on it. And I know I'm pretty intrigued because they practice Theravada Buddhism. So a lot of the uh, stupas and chedis we see here in Bangkok are Sri Lankan style. A lot of the Buddhism they practice here came by way of Sri Lanka. So that really intrigues me. I love the fact that you have this relatively, you know, kind of small island nation, but on that island, there's also, you know, some of the world's greatest surf. There's ancient sites, uh, walled cities that Europeans used to live in. You can go on animal safaris. You can go to tea plantation countries. So I, I, I don't think there's too many places that probably have as many environments as Sri Lanka does in such a small space. It really seems incredible in that respect. Yeah, I know that you've traveled there, so you probably have a bit more to say about it. But it's kind of surprising that we haven't done an episode about it. And we always talk about it, and we know Sri Lankan people, but not necessarily experts in travel and tourism. So I'm sure we can find someone to, to cover Sri Lanka this year. 
Yeah, I hope so. And I, I mean, it is a quite an interesting seeming place. They've got 70% Buddhists, 12% uh, Hindus, almost 10% uh, from, from the Islam faith. Official languages are Sinhala and Tamil. Uh, a lot of people, most people are going to be speaking English as well. Uh, it was established as a kingdom in, I believe, 543. And the population is about 22 million so you can again really sort of do it all you can hike you can surf you can go on safari you can go to religious sites you can go to tea gardens and they have some really neat train systems there as well i think so i think there's a lot of big reasons to go to uh sri lanka yeah you know i'd love to go to sri lanka i want to do some surf there i'd love to experience the culture and the food It, it looks awesome speaking of food Turkey. <laughs> yeah. No, we're talking about the country of Turkey, of course. And uh, one thing almost everybody probably knows is that Turkey is the country that is in both Europe and Asia. Um, and I don't, I don't know that it's the westernmost Asian country, if we're going from our part of Asia being the, the east. But uh, yeah, it's certainly part of Asia. And uh other than that, all I'd really known about it is that it has a big coastline there. It's just opposite Greece. You know, if you go back to like all of these stories of like the Iliad and Troy, you know, the, the city of Troy is was in Turkey. And so they must have these amazing archaeological sites. I've always been interested in, in that history. I traveled to Greece when I was younger to study some of that uh, history. And uh, I bet there's some reasonably nice beaches there, as there are in Greece, too. There's probably some some nice coastline and islands. Um, at the same time, I've had friends that have gone to Turkey, and they were up in the mountains, and there was snow, and there were hot springs in the snow, and there were hot air balloons that traveled over this incredibly majestic, expansive, beautiful nation that's that's quite large, and probably has a very interesting and diverse culture and interesting food. So, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Turkey and, uh, I have some friends who are Turkish and have lived in Turkey and or married Turkish people. So, uh, I think I feel hopeful that we can get someone on to talk about Turkey this year. Yeah. Turkey has been one of those countries on my top 10 almost forever, really. And I mean, it comes from the Ottoman empire. It's got Mount Ararat, which supposedly Noah's Ark is on. I saw Ararat from Armenia when I was there. You can see it from far away. The fact you mentioned it, it is in two continents. I mean, the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul has something like more than 3,000 stores. I know there's another town where people live into caves carved into cliffs. I've seen uh, some pretty cool-looking mountain biking there. Did you know they're also the largest producers of hazelnuts, Trevor? There's some Mm. randomness for you. I also like, uh, there's a couple cool ones here. The story of Santa Claus apparently originated in Turkey. And I also like that their national sport is oil wrestling. (laughs) Is that the European Turkish or the Asian Turkish that are into that? I'm not sure. Maybe they get people, one from each side, who come together and get lubed up. And they get into it. But uh, I do know that about 70, 75% of the people are Turks, 19% are Kurds. So, so I mean, that's kind of interesting. And they have a massive population with 83 million people. And uh, yeah, they are truly at the gateway between Europe and Asia. So I really look forward to doing Turkey, hopefully this year. 
maybe that's a good one to wrap things up on because uh, that's the perhaps the westernmost Asian country and uh, one that we're both interested in and hopefully we can get a guest on as I mentioned earlier in the intro like we did a good job last year with getting guests on to talk about destinations that uh, we didn't know much about and uh, we had interesting people tell us interesting things about these places um, so hopefully we can do that again this year well there is a teaser here is we actually had one more country on this list what's funny is we made this list and this country was the bottom of the list not meaning bottom we want to go to it was just the last one and since creating this we just recorded an episode on maldives so the episode right after this one is actually maldives so it's funny we've already nailed one on this list right out of the gates trevor so we are succeeding we are winning I know. I think we're on our way to, to checking these uh, 13 nations off, considering that we got Maldives next. So we'll let people wait two weeks to get those fun facts and those interesting informations about the Maldives, because I imagine people have uh, images of uh, exotic island destination. And uh, hopefully that'll be uh, something to dream about as we head into this new year. Absolutely. So look, if you don't want to wait two weeks, though, Trevor and I share a special little something something in between every episode with people who are our patrons. Those are lovely people who go to patreon.com, find Talk Travel Asia and sponsor the show. And we have that special little bonus video episode chat something and people that sponsor for a lot. Sometimes we send postcards. So go to Patreon, check it out. We're delighted to celebrate the start of a new year. Hopefully more travel with you. So thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. Trevor, wrap this baby up. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to our patrons for continuing to support us. And uh, as we move into a new year, we look forward to some really great episodes, and we hope that you all enjoy them. So until then, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia? 